Hey guys, how we doing? Welcome to another episode of Backroom Football Talk Show. We're here with Aaron, Gio and Oscar. Hope all of you guys are great. Uh, we're going to discuss a little bit of what happened this weekend with, uh, well, the first week of Serie A fixtures. Um, already left something to talk about. And then we also got United, who always gives us something to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about Chelsea, Tottenham, Battle of the Bridge, as it's known now, and a, and a little, uh, a few other things in the in the docket here. We're going to start with Aaron, and we're going to talk about United because he was eager to jump on the United topic. Um, he really wants to say some stuff. So, Aaron, what did you think about that four nil loss? Be, I mean, it's ridiculous now. It's getting ridiculous. It's getting to a point where you don't really know how to explain it anymore. Um, Ten Hag tried something different. He went out with. Um, Ericsson in that in that deeper role I think it was ne it was next to Fred um when they started and it just it didn't work out obviously De Gea did his part but what did you uh what did you want to say about that one can I just say first that uh I predicted that Manny would be down at halftime I didn't think he he'd be did but <laughs> did. that is true I didn't, I didn't think he'd be four nothing but holy um I actually didn't start watching the game until it was three nothing uh, because Twitter was going off. <laughs> but, like, I think what's a good representation of a team is when they face adversity, like like this game. Any team can start flying around, making passes, being unselfish, so on and so forth when they're up and when they're having a good time. But Manny was down 4 nothing. They had the halftime to hit that reset button, and they clearly didn't hit that reset button after halftime. Manny, just, they were so selfish in the final third. There was, if there was, a chance for a player to go one-on-one, -on -one, they would do it. They wouldn't look for the secondary pass. It was so predictable. And I think that's that's really, really, um, it brings out the true characteristics of a team. And that's what Manu is in right now. Obviously, Ronaldo is their, I guess, their quote-unquote leader. And he was, his body language was terrible. Ronaldo is also 37 years old and he should not be expected to, to lead, to be honest. Um, I think his body language is 100% acceptable because the rest of the team around him is floundering. And Ronaldo at his age shouldn't be expected to do so much. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and, and we also got the whole um, movement, I would say, against the Glaciers, against the ownership. Like, the fans aren't happy. They haven't been happy for years. Even when the team was doing well, they wanted the, the Glaciers out. And and it comes to makes you think, who is really more at fault here? Is it just the ownership? Can, can this be fixed by getting the players out? Can it be fixed by a new manager? Clearly, I don't think that last one is the answer because we've had new managers and every new manager was promising in the beginning and maybe got the team going. Um, I would say the best one so far has been Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, he got them second in the league. He got them playing at a decent level. And then even that went crumbling down, right? So uh, maybe he wasn't supported by the board. But Oscar, what do you think? Who, who's more to blame? And how how can we really get United out of this hole? I mean, uh, you need a drastic change. And I'm going to say it out loud. This is a new low for Manchester United. I mean, I understand losing 4-0 against Man City, against Liverpool, even Arsenal this season. But losing 4-0 against Brentford, this is absolutely unacceptable for the club. And I don't think the coach or the coaches are the ones to blame because a coach comes year in, year out, year out, and they still manage to underperform and let the fans down and, well, let everybody else down. So I think they have to start from zero. Uh, there's a new ownership probably. I don't know because, uh, as I said, I don't think this is a, a coaching problem. Here's the stat, Rick. 
This is the worst start to a Manchester United League campaign in the last 100 years. And Ten Hag's been the first manager that lost the uh, first uh, league games. games. Yeah. Yes. So, and he's going to lose the third one because he's playing Liverpool in a week. Yeah, most likely he's going to lose the third one. And they have them sitting at the 20th place with a minus four, five goal difference. And as I said, losing against Brentford, it's uh, unacceptable for this club. Gio, um, David De Gea obviously played a big part in the loss because of his two, I, I, I'm going to say two mistakes. Obviously, one was entirely his. Second one, I think he's the one responsible for that pass. I, I think he played Ericsson and they lost the ball. And that, you go 2-0 down um, within a half an hour. And, and obviously, you expect a reaction from a club as big, from a team as big as Manchester United. But was it possible after that? Because obviously, they're coming from a loss. And then we, in the first 20 minutes, you're already 2-0 down after two mistakes from your goalkeeper and captain, right? But one of the captains, sorry, obviously Maguire is the captain. So is it, I mean, was De Gea the biggest, um, the, the, the guy most at fault yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think when you if, you, if you boil it down to an individual player, which obviously you can't, but like if you do take take that approach, like David De Gea was, was arguably, you know, the worst player. Um, and for the Red Devils, I mean, in terms of just setting your team down to nothing is, is basically the kiss of death at that point. Um, however, I think this speaks a lot more to the fragility um, of the Manchester United locker room and the team. I mean, look, like if they go down to nil quick to a powerhouse like like Oscar had alluded to, whether it's City or Liverpool, you can kind of give them a little bit more leeway and say, look, De Gea kind of screwed us. Um, and it was kind of downhill from there. We're playing a, like one of the best teams in the world. Like we're not going to, it's unlikely we'd claw our way back, but they showed zero character whatsoever. Um, they didn't try to, they didn't even pull one back and try to kind of get in the game. They just folded and collapsed completely. Um, like Aaron said, they got selfish. They got too many guys kind of playing for themselves instead of the bra- the badge. And um I think that's that's actually an incredibly disheartening and and problematic situation for them. Like I can understand you don't have the funds, you don't have the players, but you have uh, a, a world class players on your pitch. But there's a character issue, and that's the hardest thing to fix because uh, money can't always fix a, a character issue. It's it starts from the owners and it seeps down throughout all the different hierarchies and. It's it's a big problem at Manu, and the fact that they were so fragile, that's um that's a scary thing for Manu fans, and they could be in for a it could be a prolonged situation until yeah, it's gonna be a long, long season at Manchester United. Something massive happens, whether they the owners sell or maybe they're back to where they belong. I mean, before Sir Alex Ferguson, they weren't. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't doing much. Maybe Sir Alex Ferguson was at thirty years of stability, and now it's gone. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't really rule that out. But I, I think when you're a club that reaches that such height and, 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 and such greatness, um, you got to be able to just, uh, you got to be able to keep it up. You know, it's, 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 yeah. it's that same thing. Like take, for example, Leicester. Obviously, Leicester wasn't going to keep challenging for a title after they won the title in 2016, right? But they made sure that they stayed in the Premier League the following year. And now they're, they're a regular in the Premier League. They're not going to go down in the next five years or, or, or more, you know, unless something really bad happens. Um, but anyways, let's talk, let's just to finish off with United, let's talk a little bit about the transfer talk around the club. Um, Adrian Rabio is, is reportedly close to joining Manchester United. Um, a fee already agreed. 
uh, between clubs and it's just between him and the club now to see if maybe he can come in and fix that midfield um, hole that he, that, that Eric Ten Hag has. And also Morata has been linked to United, to Oscar. What do you think about either of those? Um, talk a little bit about Rabiot, but also about Alvaro Morata. Could he be an answer for at least a year at United? Yeah, I mean, uh, about Rabiot, I think uh, it's a, it will be a decent signing. Uh, I think he can do better things than uh, what Fred and McTominay can do. I mean, Fred, uh, you could argue that he's a decent player, but he has proven nothing at Manchester United in his time at the club. Then McTominay, I mean, I know he works hard. And he, try to, he tries to put the effort, but he doesn't have what it takes to lead the defensive midfield role for Manchester United. Rabiot, on the other hand, he's played for, for bigger clubs, played for PSG, played for, played for Juve. So I think it will be a decent signing for United. I don't know if it's going to fix the problems that United is having right now. We'll have to see. And about Murata, I'm surprised that he's not linked to Juve right now. Yeah, it's always linked to Juve. I don't know if a striker position is what Man United need right now. Because if you have Ronaldo, if Ronaldo's going to stay, you don't need to cover that position if you also have Martial. Okay, we're talk we're going to talk about Ronaldo in in one second because um there's some some new information on that. But Gio, you were uh shaking your head. You were shaking your head as as uh, Aaron Oscar was talking about Adrian Rabiot. Obviously, you're the Serie A guy here. Um. Gio, surely it's better than what they have. Yeah, and I, just to cl clarify, I wasn't shaking my head at what Oscar was saying. I was just like <laughs> in disbelief of the 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 standards at Man U, and they're bringing in like the thought of Rabiot or Morata coming in like to save basically the season is is a mixture of depressing and hilarious at the same time. Look, Rabiot. Decent player, but he is, he was, he's been pretty terrible at Juve. Um, you know, he hasn't really fulfilled any of, any of the, uh, the kind of potential that he showed at PSG since coming over. I mean, his, him and his old entourage, I think his mom, uh, leads his, uh, agency. So he's, he's just like, I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not big on Rabio. I think, is it an upgrade? I don't even know if it's an upgrade. I think it might be a lateral move. Same with Morata. Like, like Oscar said, like if you have Ronaldo there, and obviously if Ronaldo leaves, like I, I don't know what this team needs, but I think they need more guys with um, kind of like not necessarily leadership, but like guys who play with heart, quote unquote, guys that will challenge the dressing room when things are down. I mean, I feel like there's when I look at Man United play, I feel like there's eleven individuals playing on a pitch. There's not yeah. a team. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Not even from, you don't even get it from Maguire, to be honest. And if, if he no, does attempt it, you know what I, think about I don't think people, I don't think, I don't <laughs> think people in the team respect him enough to listen to him over, over other players. You know, maybe I would say maybe De Gea is the more, the, the guy with the most leadership qualities, I would say, but he's all the way back in, in goal, you know? Um, anyways, yes, <laughs> as well. And he also did. Yes. He also did. Yes. He did just that. Um, okay, let's go to the other side of Manchester. Um, Oscar, we're going to go with you. Uh, City got, won their game against Burnmouth. All right, pretty comfortable win, to be honest. Erling Haaland, um, eight touches for Erling Haaland against Burnmouth. Uh, What can you say about that? Obviously, and I want to say something right now. Last year, when Lukaku had arrived, he had seven touches against Crystal Palace. 
And I believe Sky Sports even made like a compilation of of his whole game, what the I seven remember. touches were, you know. Um, yesterday, Erling Haaland had eight touches. He had two passes, one from kickoff and one to assist Gundogan's first goal, right? So, obviously, great for him. Got an assist. Um, I'm not saying he had a terrible game, by the way. I'm just saying it was challenging for him. And we thought he was going to score um, two or three goals, maybe, against a, a very weak side uh, in Burnmouth in comparison to Manchester City. But he was challenged, and it was it was a bit a bit harder for him. So what what can you say about that? I mean, he could have easily scored. Foden had a chance that instead of oh yes, yeah. eighth minute in the eighth minute of the game, yeah. Foden could have squared that ball and it would have been an easy tap in for Erling. But about the eight touches, it's very difficult to have a lot of touches if you have five players on you, because five players were marking Erling Haaland. That's why we didn't see. So much of the runs that we saw against West Ham or that we saw in preseason friendlies or even against Liverpool. But at the same okay, time... Okay, well, that's that's something that he's going to find in almost every every yeah. field that he goes and plays too, right? Like, he, that's, it's going to happen with most of the teams they play. And that's how he's going to help the team as well. Because if you see Kevin De Bruyne's goal, he dragged all the two central defenders, the two holding midfielders, and even the left back. From, doesn't help my, uh, my fantasy team though. Burnmouth. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, doesn't it was help terrible. My, doesn't help mine either as well. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that he got all those players in front of him or surrounding him that they opened the space for the Bruyne to take a look and take the shot. It's either all players on Erling Haaland opening spaces for everyone else in the team, or uh, Erling Haaland opening spaces from himself. And if he has and the space, and, yeah. yeah if he has the space and he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, he's going to put it in the back of the net. Okay, so as, as long as he's not getting frustrated by that, you know? Yeah, that, that's the other thing that we saw that he got super frustrated because Foden didn't, didn't square the ball. And he was kind of mad because Pep saw him up like in the 75th minute. And obviously he wanted to score a goal. So uh, he has to understand that it's a league that it's way more difficult than the Bundesliga, and there are some so there are some games that he's not going to score a goal. Hundred percent, Aaron. What were you? You were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, eight touches in a game when your team is four nothing. You're the prime offensive weapon. That's a dangerous team. And once yeah. he realizes that, um, Man City is going to be a very, very, very dangerous team. No, hundred percent. And and this is this is the thing. Like Manchester City have been playing without a striker. Right. So they didn't have that player that would draw the defenders in, you know, okay. um, and now. Yeah. And now obviously they do. So the wingers are getting more chances too. you know, um, you get overlaps from Cancelo who got an, got an assist to or a goal. I can't even remember. Um, but also Oscar, a little bit more on this. So once and this is something that I noticed one once uh, Grealish came on um, and I believe on the right side, Mares maybe. Yeah. Um, the team did worse. The team did worse it, before Haaland was subbed off, right? I, I still think that Grealish and Haaland are not compatible. Um, what do you have? You noticed a little bit of that, or or you think it's just a matter of time? Because Grealish tends to just cut inside every single time. Every single time, he won't really go and try and find um, a cross or or give him an, an early ball through. Um, and I've seen it in two games already, three games actually. Uh, if you count the community shield against uh, Liverpool, and and uh, I think it could be a bit of a bit of an issue when Grealish is on the field. I mean, Pep subbed uh, off Foden and brought in Grealish because, uh, well, I think it was first it was because he wanted to give Foden a lesson that he has to pass the ball, 
And second, because Greed is performing incredibly well against West Ham in the opening game. And about the connection between Haaland and Grealish, I mean, the first goal that Haaland scored for the club against Bayern, yeah, I know it was preseason, but it was a cross from, from Grealish. So, uh, I mean, come on, it's been just three games. You got to give it time. You cannot find so much connection, so many connections in just three games. So you got to give it time. And I'm pretty sure things, the link of play between both of them is going to work. But at the end of the day, who knows? Because, I mean, Greeley started last season as a starter on the left wing, but then he was dropped. Who knows yeah. if he's going to be dropped later on in the season as well. He's been performing really well, but I think Greeley gets judged because he doesn't give too many assists or scores too many goals. But what he does on the pitch, uh, he performs well. If you say so, if you say so, he performs well. We'll just take take your word for it. Well, uh, Alan, let's go to let's go Alan, to London. Alan's <laughs> uh, second goal against West Ham was all about Grealish. He dragged all the players to open the space for Rodri, then Rodri to Kevin De Bruyne, and then the pass from De Bruyne. And the rest is the goal. Yeah, I'm just saying that maybe between him and Haaland, there's not too much chemistry yet. Um, I, I mean, I could agree with you that it's a matter of time. Obviously, it's been three games, right? But I think it's, and I, like, I hope it's an issue that Pep is already focusing on because I've seen it and I've noticed it. And, and there's, you know, maybe he's, he's just not used to it because his two years at City, he's had no number nine, right? So, so I think maybe that's a, a reason. Um, but anyways, let's go to London. Lots of things happen in London. We're going to start with Gabriel Jesus. Gio um, scored two goals and assisted two goals. I hope you captained him uh, in your fantasy team. I, I think you didn't. Most people were banking on Erling Haaland. Um, I, I was one of those. I was one of those people. No, you didn't. I dropped him and brought in Darwin Nunez. Oy, well, you, let's hope he does something for you tomorrow. Um, I hope. That was terrible decision making I didn't, there. I didn't choose Jesus in my in my in my fantasy team. You didn't? I didn't. I took uh, I took uh, yeah, Darren Nunez and Erling Haaland are my main attackers. Um, but I think it'll pay off. Look, look, it's, but I know you're going to ask me. You just when you're, you <laughs> you want me to kind of dive in on 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 how Jesus had a masterclass, and that's yes. exactly what it was. I mean, he. I could tell from the first game when they played Crystal Palace, even though he didn't contribute on the score sheet, he was just so dynamic. I mean, he was making, you know, runs in behind. He was, you know, connecting well with, you know, Odegaard and Martinelli, and they were making some, some really quick fire movements. And like I said last, last episode, like if this is the way Arteta plays football, man, like I might have a new favorite team in the EPL. And I think, um, like I said, I, I've been really impressed with their with the additions of obviously Jesus, and we're seeing you know that pay off. But guys like Zinchenko, I think, are fitting in beautifully. But I mean, Jesus, he's found a home. He's found a place where all this guy ever wanted was playing time. All this guy ever wanted was an opportunity. He wants to show up for the World Cup. He wants to be a big part of of, uh, of Brazil, and um, I, he's getting he's getting every opportunity to do it. And good on him for capitalizing. He's been great. Aaron wants to say something. I think. Gio, you must love fourth place, hey? Rome. <laughs> That's what I was going to um, say. That's what I was going to say. He's well, choosing you guys? Arsenal you guys are, I mean, Chelsea's going to... Well, hey, actually, maybe yeah. fifth. Now hey, that I recall. I mean, I mean, Chelsea might start their... their hey, we're not talking about Chelsea. Yet. Chelsea's going to win the, the Europa League next year. We're not talking... Hey, okay. but we win stuff. We, we do. We win stuff. Hey, but, I'm not talking I'm about... We're hey, not talking obviously. about... Hey. Oh, here we go. We're not talking. We're not talking about Chelsea yet. 
Emo, okay? our, co- our coach is an ultimate fighter, though. He's an ultimate fighter, literally. Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. and we're going to talk about that today. What the hell Okay, that relax. Gio, relax. Oh, relax, oh, buddy. No, no. We need we're to getting there. That. We're getting there. Okay. Last, <laughs> last on Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus. Oscar, Gabriel, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, uh, I think we might really get to see the real version of Gabriel Jesus now that he's at Arsenal. Because playing for Man City, I think he always played under pressure. The pressure was always on him. Like, is he going to perform? Is he going to be the player that is going to replace Sergio Aguero? So he always had the pressure and the spotlight on him. But now that he's at Arsenal, I see a, a, a player that is free, a player that can actually take on players, that can be dynamic, as Gio was saying. And that's the Gabriel Jesus that I remember. Uh, the few short clips of the few first games that I saw at, at him at Palmeiras and uh, the Gabriel Jesus I see with Brazil a couple of times. So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes for him. And But yeah, he's definitely tearing it up right now. I mean, I'm sorry, but you said that, yeah, he always had this pressure from being Aguero's replacement. And yeah, that is true. That could be true. But I think he was always ready and he's always had the mentality and the and the mental strength to take on a challenge like being Aguero's replacement and, and heir. And I think what he didn't have was the, was Pep's full trust. That's no, what I think he didn't no, have. No, That's no. what I think he didn't have. He'd he never played him. This guy is a number nine. This guy is a striker. And Guardiola was not playing him there. Towards the end of his career, of his of his city career, he gave him a little more he gave him more minutes, but by that time he had already decided he's gonna leave. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, you gotta remember two, three years ago, Sergio Aguero was the starting number nine at Manchester City, and Gabriel Jesus completely benched him. But that's because it was Pep's decision, not because Jesus was better than Aguero. So he, I mean, he did have Pep's full trust. Believe me. Trust me that. I mean, I don't know. But it looks like he does have Arteta. So that's good. That's good for him. Um, obviously, he's got... He didn't get any goals or assists in the first first game, but he went out. He got he assisted two, which is it's another it's another thing that he can do. It's another dimension to his game, and which is is what I love watching. And to be honest, Gio, you say yeah, you might just support Arsenal in the Prem. To like if to be fair, it's a good shout for this year. We'll see how they do, but right now it's one of the teams that is playing be- that's best football. in the Premier that's, League. That's at the it. moment, at the moment it is. But Arsenal, we've been following the Premier League for years, and Arsenal just tends. To kind of trip on themselves, you know, and and that's why they weren't um, in the in, they're not in the Champions League this year, you know. But yeah, if you want to go for that, that's that. I think that's what you're used to, right, with Roma. So you might want to go for that, and it's just you know, it's well, just it's no change of pace. Or I anything. might see just, you guys in the Europa League next year if <laughs> if, you do, if you do even make that. Who knows? Oh I my mean, gosh. Okay, on the on the other side of London, all right, we had we go to West London with Chelsea, and we had uh, the well, now it's actually been named the Battle of the Bridge because every time Tottenham goes to Stamford Bridge, it's literally war, right? We all remember that game um, about five, six years now when um, obviously they Chelsea gave Leicester the title, right? That game was one of the toughest I've ever seen. Uh, and no red cards, I believe. And, and today, no red cards except for Conte and Tuchel who wanted to box on the sidelines. But let's talk about the game first and then we'll talk about that whole mess. Um, Aaron... Chelsea was dominating the whole game. They were on top. They were, I, I really thought that they could walk with a 2 3 0 win um, at halftime, even, you know, the amount of chances they had. Um, obviously, not all of them ended up in, in shots on target, but they were clearly the most dangerous side 
uh, at Stanford Bridge, and Tottenham didn't really do much up till the end. What did you uh, What did you take from the game? You know, everyone was tough on Chelsea the first week, which is well deserving. But everyone thought it would be the same the second week. I mean, I thought Chelsea would struggle a little bit as well, but I didn't think they were going to come off flat on loose to Tottenham, especially at home. So for me, this isn't a surprising performance at all. Um, and yes, they should be disappointed about the draw because they 101% deserve to win this match. They were robbed. I just want to say that they, they, they were robbed. Yeah. They, yeah. I'll, just, let, I'll let you dive, I'll let you dive deeper into that one. But yeah. Just, just so I, yeah. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think Chelsea's fine. Um, first game, whatever, like, they didn't play too well, but still won. Um, this week, they played a whole lot better and they, they drew. So I think it's a better team with Tottenham as well. But, but yeah, you're right. They dominated. They dominated and they were robbed. Just so our, our, our everybody who's listening knows, it's a fact. They were robbed. Anthony Taylor was our referee. We never have a good game with Anthony Taylor. And I could show you all the all the highlights. Um, and then Mike Dean was in the in the VAR office, right? Um, that last that last one. I mean, listen, the first goal, sure, like I, there was forty four seconds between that Havertz foul that should have been a foul, just to be clear. And then Tottenham's goal. So there's a lot going on in between. You got to defend. You got to be able to keep keep that out of there, right? It was Jorginho trying to do some whatever he wanted to do in the box. Loses it. Rebound. They pass it on to Hoiberg and it's a goal. Richarlison was offside and he was, I want to say he was blocking Mendy's view. But that one is very much, he was Oscar. Stop making faces, okay? Um, How am I one, blocking him? I think he was in the way. But do, do you know what? Like that maybe could go up to the, to the scoreboard, okay? I that maybe I, could go up. I think the goal should have not counted. I'm with you because I think it was a foul. And what, yeah. intrigues me, what intrigues me the most is that I know Anthony Taylor cannot see everything that's happening on the field. But you have VAR. Well, you know what it is, though? I think that they were, there was just too much time in between. So they take it as a different phase of the game, you know? And that's what I think VAR, that's why they went, They didn't go through with, with disallowing that goal because the, the foul was in Tottenham's half. 40 seconds to build up, ago. I think. Exactly. I guess, yeah, no, it so I, has to be. It's the face of with, play, uh, you know? I meant it with the second goal. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's go into the, let's go mean, into the second one. That one was the most, I mean, 95th minute out of 96, right? Corner kick. And you get Romero, who had been already, had been, you know, you could tell good. that he wanted to fight someone. He wanted to fight someone. He wanted to fight Havertz. And then he goes on in the corner um, and grabs on to Cucurella's hair and brings him down you know like what's he doing and it's in front anthony taylor is what five yards away from the guy you know um he should have been able to see it he then the var goes and checks this and says oh, no foul play on right and obviously that last play had resulted in another corner for tottenham and then kane comes and scores but that's a foul that's a red card for for romero you know that's a red card i don't understand why you should have stopped the game red card chelsea's ball Right. And the game is over. But no. So, I mean, to be honest, I can't blame it all. Like, obviously, Chelsea's got to defend that goal. Um, it was very bad defending. Kane was unmarked. But you can't let that corner even be, that corner kick even happen. You know? That was truly pathetic. I mean, I mean with VAR, like, this is the thing that's just a joke. Like, like you've got everything. You've got referees and you've got backup referees with all this stuff. And this guy's, you know... Uh, hair pulling like we're on Jerry Springer or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it, it's absolutely pathetic. 
Taylor's pathetic. And I think there should be some discipline coming down on him for that, but there won't be because a lot of these leagues don't take accountability for anything. Um, but it was, it's actually a joke. Like that was, I'm, I'm fired up for Chelsea because that's just pathetic. And I'm sorry, but there should be a consequence. Like who, I don't know if uh, you might remember when, oh, well, obviously you remember when Barcelona came back against PSG in the Champions League, right? And there were so many bad calls that 6-1 against PSG. There were so many bad calls that ref did not ref in the Champions League that whole season, you know? Um, and so why, why can't something like this happen? You know, like some kind of like punishment because this guy's going to get away with it with not wanting to go to check himself in the VAR, right? Mike Dean is also responsible, by the way, who we all know is a United fan. He's, he's more um, responsible. He's more yeah. responsible, in my opinion. So, he's more responsible. He, at least he can tell him, listen, you check. You go to the screen and check on your own, right? But he didn't. Not, none of this happened. And, and I think, like, Tuco is 100% in the right when he says that he's furious about it and he directly blames the referee because I think that he's entitled to that opinion, to be honest. Um, anyways, yeah, that was frustrating. Let's go over to France and PSG. All right. Um, obviously we got Neymar and Messi just flying at the moment. Uh, it's, it's lovely to watch. You also, it's actually lovely to watch because PSG is now actually entertaining, um, in, in the, in the league on, um, high press is very good, very effective. You got Vitinha and Verratti in that double pivot in that holding midfielder, um, role. And then, and, and, and it's, I think it's very, it's attractive football, right? Obviously, they're playing league in, in league on, but you're seeing things that I, I like. I mean, I would have never watched um, PSG doing a high press in the French league ever before, right? So you can tell that the team is kind of um, following on what Gaultier is asking from them. And then you got Messi and Neymar absolutely going off in the final third. Um, another, another big win for PSG. Neymar, two goals. Um, one assist, I believe. Messi was also very active. Um, however, though, and I want to, I want to touch on this one because we all know that they, 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 these guys can probably be a top contender for the Champions League. But I want to touch on this. Mbappe and Neymar um, seem to have a bit of a falling out. You know, Neymar, Mbappe missed the first PK, um, and then he wanted the second one. Which I'm sorry, if you miss a PK and you got Neymar and Messi on the field, you don't ask and Ramos, you don't ask for a second PK. Right. Um, so Neymar said no, rightfully, takes the penalty, scores it, you know, then goes on and has a fantastic game. And apparently at the end of the game, Gaultier had to, had to tell the dressing room that the official penalty kick taker was Mbappe. Right. So this is what happens when you own the club. Right. Um, Gio, you want to say something? Uh, you want to speak to that a little bit? It's just it's just childish. Um, you know, like it's just a. I mean, these guys, like PSG is a, is a stat padding machine. I mean, they play against like French shepherds every week. I mean, half of these guys probably have part-time jobs working in some <laughs> mills. And then there's PSG who's got the highest payroll in the world. So it's a, <laughs> it's a bunch of garbage. I mean, Montpellier <laughs> is probably churning out mozzarella. Half the, you know, well, half do you, the want, you want to talk about Mbappe or are you just going to just... I just hate PSG. I, I I really do. They they disgust me. I mean, you guys are here to win. You guys are here to win games. And look, like like you guys really have to have a little. You know, um, what's the word? Like um, uh, like when kids like a tantrum. That's what I'm yeah. looking for. A tantrum because like look, you missed the first PK. 
Um, Neymar wants to take it. Okay, whatever. Like, move on. You guys scored. You should be happy about the result. But instead, you're you're there, you know, crying to Galtier about, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's stupid. And honestly, and anything that they ever do in the in the French league, I couldn't care less about. Um, I don't even look at it as like, you know what? They can have the greatest high press, greatest, you know, eloquent passing. This team should be winning the Champions League. They should be winning it. You guys spend way more than anybody else. You have all these world-class players. You should have at least one Champions League with the core that you have put together, and you don't. So don't, I don't care what you do in the French League. Um, and I think, this, I think this is why they're probably not going to win again this year, because they all care about themselves. No, I mean, to be honest, listen, I think this is the best I've ever, wa- I've ever seen PSG. In terms, in terms listen to me, in terms of how much like they're following an idea and a style of play. And, uh, and uh, you know, like, I think it's that this is happening. You, c- you can see it, though. You can see it. You can they see it happening. They always dominate these you teams. Cannot, you cannot no. tell me this is the no, best. No, they don't. Last year with... After two games. Last year with Pochettino, you think they did this? They were losing games against Strasbourg. They lost like third, like 10 games in the league or something like that. It was ridiculous. And now they're dominating games. Not only they're demolishing teams in the... They're in simply the, doing in, what in, they in the, should be doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it, but they're doing it, right? And you didn't see it last year. And and even if... I mean, PSG has done like... Uh, take away last year in the Champions League. They reached the final a couple of years ago, semifinals the following year. So it's not... It hasn't been bad, you know? So... And then I think that this year, to be honest, with the team they have, the signings they have made, which are better signings, their signings based on what the coach wants, which has never been the case for PSG. Now, I think that they're, they, they are a contender for the Champions League, right? But I, I wanted to talk about Mbappé. the previous years? They, they have been. been a contender. Yeah, but being a contender doesn't mean you're going to win it. Madrid is a contender and they don't win it every year, you know? Like, I think Gio hit it on the spot there with no one cares for what they do in the French League. Because no yeah. one does care. But also... Well, 100%, but this is going to be a preparation for the Champions League, right? It's not that, but I think... The players, specifically Mbappe, knows that too. And Mbappe is all about his brand. He's all about the stats. He wants to score goals. He doesn't care about winning because he knows winning yeah. is it's there. So Mbappe is in that phase of his career right now. Where he doesn't give a he doesn't care about winning. He just wants the goals, the stats, his brand. I mean, to be honest, he, I think he, this he guy is all, he wants all it, the headlines for himself. He wants and that's all the headlines. What, that's what yeah. happens when you give him that type of contract. And if we're seeing this problem against a small team in the league on, I cannot imagine what we're going to see when they have to play Manchester City, Liverpool, Real Madrid in the final stages of the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, listen, anyways, like in terms of, in terms of what happened with Mbappe and Neymar, like reports later said um, that, and even from Brazil, that Neymar found out that Mbappe reportedly wanted him out of the club. Um, and that's why like the relationship has kind of had a bit of a, a fallout. And because obviously they were pretty close in the years before, right? So this is the type of drama that you don't want. And this is the type of drama that, that Mbappe, Mbappe is now at the center of, right? And before this guy was just a guy that everybody knew was going to make, was going to make it big and was going to be the heir to the throne of, of the football world, right? Now I think that people are just going to start disliking him you know because you know, the, the body language is terrible to on the he's, field he's quickly turning the, his attitude right now the like if these reports are true and the way he's acting he reminds me of, of balotelli the way he's he's acting you know, but, but i can almost guarantee he loves the attention he's loving oh it. yeah he loves it. he's he is loving it right now but really, he had bad attention the, the media like there's there's no bad attention here i mean he's how, loving how, it. How, 
Rick, I've talked to to you about this before. How do you win a Ballon d'Or? I mean, obviously, it's about performances and trophies, but the media has to influence that. A lot. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. It's that. also a popularity. Concept. And Ricky, yeah, but yeah, Ricky, I know, I know, you've been very impressed with the way PSG plays, and that's that's fine. They have been playing well, but at the end of the day, you know, if like I, who can, like does anyone in this in this chat here care if if um if uh, PSG puts up six nothing on on Brest? Like, no. no. No one cares. So, like at the at the end of the day, like these guys need. Like Oscar said it perfectly, in my opinion, they need to show it in the Champions League. You have babies like Mbappe on your team trying to get rid of arguably one of the best players in the world because um, this guy can't convert a penalty against some baker from Montpellier. Listen, like at the at the end of the day, yeah, you got so much day, imagination, man. This is, <laughs> this is like. Like man, this is like you know what this kind of reminds me of um, why Man United is falling apart. Obviously, completely different situations, but this is character, and this is something they lack, and they should they should they should have a Champions League with all that talent. But you got too many jackasses on your team who care about themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's like Mbappe, and, and I think the the biggest underlying tone is Mbappe doesn't care about any of this stuff. Like he doesn't care. Yeah, he just has no care in the world. So that's nothing's going to change there. I mean, the fact, like, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the, the, the highlight where this guy is running on a counter yeah. and Vitinha plays the ball to Messi and this guy stops and yeah. he stops and he's whining and, and he's, you know, full on tantrum on the field and he stops and the counter goes on without him and he stays in the middle of the field. Like, what is this about? You know, I'm like, God, like take that guy out. You know, Mbappe should be leading PSG, not Neymar. You know, Neymar's on a roll, by the way. This guy's flying. Um... But I already knew that. I knew that he, he was world-class. People didn't want to, you know. Oscar, haven't I always defended Neymar? And I've always supported you. Okay, perfect. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to Spain. All right. Um, Barcelona couldn't come up with a win against Rayo in, his, in their first game of the season. Nil-nil uh, draw at the Cap No. Lewandowski played. All the signings played. Couldn't happen. Uh, Dembele apparently had a bit of a... Left the game with a bit of, a, of an injury. Um which is worrying, obviously, because of his past and how injury-prone he can be. Let's talk about Barca first, and then we're going to move on to the rivals, Real Madrid. Um, Oscar, what did you think about the game, um, the fact that they couldn't come up with a win? I mean, it just comes to my mind. So much money spent, so many signings, and you cannot win against Rayo. Yeah. I mean, Rayo, Rayo should be laughing themselves because they won against Barcelona, uh, I believe it was twice last season. So they should be laughing at Barca because of all the money spent and not even a single goal. I mean, I know it's early days and it was the first game of the season for the La Liga season, but you got to do better. You got to do better. It's unacceptable yeah. for Barca. And, and just the fact that it's, well, just like what we were saying about Liverpool last time out, right? When they tied in the first game and obviously they know that they're going to have a, a tough race against Manchester City. It should be the same for Barcelona. Like now there's really no excuse. Last year, being second was a fantastic achievement for Barcelona. This year, being second is not going to be good enough, right? Um, and and, and you've, you've already lost points against a team that's normally fighting not to be relegated in La Liga. And Xavi, and Xavi uh, he, he doesn't get off the hook either. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think he's had like a 52% win percentage in his time it's at Barca. That's the worst at the moment. That's very bad. That's the yeah. worst than any other Barcelona manager. I don't know if in history, but I know that in the last 10 years. Yeah. So he's got to do better. 
Yeah, and now it's, I mean, there's links that now Bernardo Silva's on his way to Barcelona. Uh, Gio, is this something that's going to, you know, fix anything? Oscar's kind of, you know, he's, he's crying. So. I don't think so, mate. I don't think so. Um, I like, like, I mean, what Oscar said, I mean, like it's, it would, the, the, the transfer window was the summer of Barca. I mean, they went for a team that apparently was in this deep debt. They, they kind of stole the show. I mean, they added a world-class striker and Lewandowski, you know, they, you know, with Kunde and, um, who else did they add? That was a better, I'm forgetting another profile name. Rafinha. 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 That's it. Um, and now if they add, you know, Bernardo Silva, I think it's going to be the same kind of thing. I mean, I think Xavi just like, I mean, if you look at the stat sheet, obviously they dominated a while, but um, I think they need to kind of be a little bit more cognizant of winning games instead of trying to be stylish. I think they're trying to play a little bit too much of like a champagne football um, and although that's really fun to watch and, you know, we as fans like it when it doesn't always win you games. I mean, sometimes you see some some great managers like the the one and only Jose Mourinho. He doesn't play a, <laughs> a champagne style. I mean, we parked the bus against for Cancelletting Dana today and we won <laughs> 1-0. I mean, that's a bit pathetic. We should have scored like three, four goals. But yeah. nonetheless, not about Roma. But like, that's the thing. It's he. They need to figure out the, the formula on how to win games because like Oscar said, 52% winning percentage for Barcelona is abysmal and he better figure it out quick because if not, his job will be on the line as it should be. So adding Silva, I think great, great player, creative guy. But at the end of the day, if you guys can't figure out how to be efficient, then I mean, it's real. It's just real and Atletico that are going to run away with it. In my opinion. And one of the even, things they don't even so, need Bernardo Silva. No, they, they don't. don't. Oh, they don't. Another like, Let's an be excess real. of what they already have. One of the things that's really, really, really frustrating me of watching Barcelona is the fact that Ronald Araujo is playing at the right back position and he started the game with Christensen and Eric Garcia. Oscar, do you think that this, uh, you, do you think that he should be playing Araujo there because maybe he wants to prioritize, you know, other center backs? But Araujo is a better center back than Christensen, than Eric Garcia, arguably than Piquet at the moment. You know, so why is he starting at him on the right back position when he knows that maybe it's not? I don't think he's built for it either. You know, he's a he's a big center back. Why is he starting on the right back position? Do you think it's because he doesn't trust any of his other options in that position? But then why is it him? Could it be Christensen? Could it be Eddie Garcia maybe and get Araujo in that central position? Well, why Araujo in the right back? Uh, I don't know. But what I do know is that Xavi doesn't trust any of his right backs. He didn't even call Serginho Des for the game. And Serginho Des was a regular starter for Xavi last season. I don't know what he has done that uh, he's lost Xavi's trust. And Sergio Roberto, I mean, come on. This guy has been at Barcelona for more they than a decade now. Yeah. Yeah. He I'm, should be trusted. <laughs> and I think this was a very bad decision for Barcelona. Yeah. They should have Dani Alves in there right now. Not that. I mean. Yes. You could have Dani Alves, but. I mean, if you spent a lot of money on Lewandowski, Rafinha, Kunde, you want to get Bernardo Silva, why don't you cover like the right-back position, which is something that has been an issue for years because, yes, Sergio Desk was a regular starter for Xavi last season, but he hasn't really settled. I would think he would have settled at Barcelona. Well, here, Barcelona is looking for a right-back, all right? And just listen at the options. According to Gerard Romero, who is... You know, I want to say he's very reliable. Called the almost every deal this this summer uh, before it happened. Barcelona is looking at 
Juan Foyth from Tottenham, um, oh, from Villarreal, sorry, um, Diogo Dalot from Manchester United, or Aaron Juan Bisaka from Manchester United, also um, Munier from Dortmund. These are the options that United has. I don't think any of those makes the team better, aside from maybe Thomas Munier from Dortmund. You know, but Aaron Juan Bisaka, like, what is have you? What is this? Have you been watching Manchester United? Like, what? How would how would he come in and do better under a guy like Xavi, right? Who wants to play with the ball? They should be worried about that one, at least that one role within the starting eleven, um, consistently, because I don't think uh, Xavi has a has a good um, option, a single good option in there. If he doesn't trust Sergio Des, but let's go over to Real Madrid. All right. Uh, started. They started losing against uh, newly promoted Almeria and came back with a 2-1 win. David Alaba came off the bench and scored with his first touch from a free kick, um, which was beautiful. Um, can I mean, obviously, Real Madrid is going to challenge for the league. That's the whole thing. That's that's obviously their number one objective. Can they win it again, Gio? Who Real Madrid? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's my favorite to win. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, the thing that I, I like, um, at the end of the day, I mean, although we kind of got after Barcelona after a, a disappointing, um, you know, game against the Isle, I think at the end of the day, like Barcelona still is, you know, I think they're going to uh, eventually figure it out and have a quality season of some kind. You know, I think they'll definitely be a Champions League team coming out of Spain. But the thing I like about Real Madrid is like they have so many refined winners on that team. I think Ancelotti is just a perfect coach right now for the perfect time for them. You know, you've got the best striker in the world in Benzema. And I like they have a mix of exciting youth player, like younger players, but they have guys that just know how to get it done. Yeah. Um, and I think that maturity and especially coming off a of Champions League, I think it's just you've got a mixture of confidence. You've got a, uh, a mixture of um, veteran leadership and more than anything, you've got quality. So I think it's, I think it's right now. I know Aaron's the betting man. So I think you should, you should go to him on this one. But um, when it comes to that, but I think, I think Real Madrid is where I'd put my money at if I was a, if I was betting right now, for sure. Well, yeah. With Real Madrid, I haven't seen a Real Madrid side that I know is going to get it done since Zidane. Zidane, like in his peak years with Zidane, you just knew that team was going to win. They weren't going to play great football, quality football. They weren't even going to be dominating sometimes, but they were going to win, right? And this is the first, I mean, first time that I have this feeling about Real Madrid the same way. Like today they were trailing to Almeria and I was just like, okay, like they, these guys can probably get it done. They can score two goals. And they did. And it's not great goals, you know, and it's, 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 it's sometimes it's kind of scrappy even, you know, that one, the, 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 the equalizer wasn't great. The second one was a free kick, right? So you're kind of, again, kind of relying on, on world-class players to do their thing, right? But still they get it done. So I do think that Real Madrid is or should be the clear favorite for this one, you know? And even challenging for the Champions League, I wouldn't put it past them, you know? Barcelona need to take a page page out of that book. It's about efficiency, not style all the time. 100%. You, know, you got to score. They're almost even money right now. Really? If you were to bet, yeah, if you were to bet $100 on Madrid, you'd win 100 bucks, And if you were to bet $100 on Barca, you'd win 150 So Please. basically even. So okay. I guess this is a guaranteed investment for Real Madrid. Then I guess we'll throw our life savings together and get this done. Get your get your uh, bets in, boys. Throw it on the we'll, buy, we'll, we'll buy more expensive equipment for the podcast. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. You know what, guys? This is it. Let's go. 
uh, straight into stoppage time. All right, straight into stoppage time. We're gonna start with a question that I already asked you, so you guys should be ready for this. Um, give me one player that chose wrong in terms of the team they were gonna join and was ruined for it. All right, each of you can go. We'll start with Aaron. <laughs> Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo, it's a man you. Oh, I feel led the team in scoring last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, what, hey, what's he playing for? He's not playing for it. You think we're helping Ronaldo's legacy now is more goals than all the He doesn't need He could be part titles, of the turnaround. That might be the biggest legacy ever. Yeah, yeah, 37 year old. <laughs> uh, 37 year old. What turnaround? Person. Oh, I just so bad for the guy. Like, I, I okay. mean, I'm not the biggest Ronaldo fan, but I feel bad. Yeah, no, we can tell. Uh, Oscar, what about you? <laughs> Easy, Paul Pogba. To United? To United, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, the, the Pogba, Pogba we to saw. United. The Pogba we saw at Juventus. I mean, gosh, he wasn't even compared to Yaya Toure. Yeah. Now he's yeah. And France. And yeah. France. I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that one, actually. I agree. Uh, Gio. Probably Salah to Liverpool. <laughs> okay, now be serious. Okay, no, I'm serious. I'm just bitter about that one. I'm sorry. Ivala to Roma. <laughs> I'm gonna go. You guys are gonna. This is really off the board, but I'm gonna go Malcolm from um, Bordeaux to Barcelona because oh, he was going to Roma. That's honestly. And then and then this guy. It's like the guy. The guy drugged the pilot on the way there and turned the plane <laughs> to Barcelona. This guy apparently was in transit to Rome. Yeah. Yui. This guy took a, took possession of the 747 and landed in, in, in Catalonia. Where but, is um, he now? Exactly. He's forgotten. Long forgotten. Ruined his yeah. career, that's why. I think he's at Senit. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, was, I couldn't tell you. And he was coming off a great season at Bordeaux. Yeah. Like this guy, he had a lot of options. I was really excited when he was like, like I said, he was basically, we were told that he landed in Rome. <laughs> Next day, this guy's getting introduced by, <laughs> by the Barcelona board. But um, I think he, yeah, he, I, I don't feel bad for the guy. He kind of screwed it, but luck. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Joao Felix. Um, joining Atletico de Madrid. Not his style of play. Uh, I think it doesn't suit him. He doesn't suit the team. And it's never going to work. Not like people are expecting it to. He also had a lot of options. He also had a lot of options. Went to Atletico for 120 mil. Like, it's... I think it's it's a wrong decision. Um, and I think time will give me... Will prove that I'm right. Ricky, yes. yes. Honorable mention. Lukaku to Chelsea. Oh, okay. Yes, sure. <laughs> yes, that was terrible. Falcao to Monaco, you know, Falcao to Chelsea, Falcao to United. Yeah. Basically, every, <laughs> move. every move he had after Atletico is a, is a mistake. Um, okay, let's go with a quick fire odds here. So you're going to give me a percentage of what you think uh, is the likelihood of this to happen. We're going to start with Oscar. Barcelona to win the league. 45. Okay. Gio? 28%. 28, Eric? 35 right now. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 40. 40 42%. I'm gonna nice. go with 42%. Um yeah, I think they can still get it together. Madrid can also still, you know, drop the ball here or there. Um okay. Lukaku to be top scorer in the Serie A. Gio. 67%. 
Okay, that's pretty high. I think it's likely just with all the talent around him, but I don't know. Maybe Vlahovic goes on a terrible match. No chance. Immobile, maybe. Nah, screw that guy. <laughs> okay, Oscar, <laughs> what about you? Uh, 60. Okay, Aaron? No, no, Lukaku trained 25%. 25 wow okay i'm gonna actually i'm gonna actually go with 70 70 percent um i think yeah i think he's the best striker in the Serie A. it pains me to say but i do think he is uh he's got more experience in the league too like i mean doing well in the league than vlahovic vlahovic was has one good year right now keep an eye too on a real dark horse real dark horse is giovanni simeone who just completed yeah, his I, I thought you were going to say he, Yeah, so he's going to Napoli, by the way. We're going to mention this that. Kid, he's going to hey, Napoli. He can score. He scored 15, double digits on absolute garbage teams. Maybe he's yeah. got Lozano feeding him the ball, balls in. You never know. Chelsea making it into the top four. Aaron. I don't know why this is a question. What's 99%. the likelihood? 9%. No, I love it. I love it. Oscar? What I saw from Chelsea today, especially in the first half, if they play football like they did today in the first half, I have no doubt they'll get in the top four. But I have to go with uh, 90. Oof, okay, that's high. And Gio is surprised and he's going to say something lower. What is it? Well, City, Liverpool. <laughs> I think Arsenal's in there. So what we've yeah. got basically Tottenham... Between Tottenham and Chelsea. And Chelsea yeah. Pretty much. Um, ah, it's tough. I'm going to go 52%. I think, that's, I, think, I think it's really a coin flip because I think Chelsea's offense, if it's not addressed, could really dry up. Um, okay, I'm going to go with 200%. Chelsea's going to be in the top four. And now yes. I'm going to be serious and I'm going to say 80%. 80%. I'm still that above Chelsea's 50. Gonna be in there. Yeah, 80. 80%. He's going to be, they're going to be in there. Okay, this one was actually Gio um, that asked us to create a five-a-side team with one player from each of the top five leagues in Europe. All right, so Aaron, let's go with yours. All right, from Spain, I got uh, Courtois. Okay. Uh, Italy, um, not Lukaku. I actually have Vlahovic. Okay. Uh, from England, oh. I have Van Dyke as my defender. <laughs> from France, I have Mbappe. And then from Germany, I have Marco Royce. Oh, nice. Royce. Damn. Isn't that guy retired? No, he's still playing. Okay. He's still trucking uh, <laughs> along. Some names, Gio, let's some, go. Some names there that I, I didn't expect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, very, that's interesting. I like it. Uh, Gio, go ahead. So I've got uh, um, from Spain, Benzema, best striker in the world right now, no doubt. Um, from Italy, Paolo Dybala, oh, my creative okay. midfielder. Uh, France, Marquinhos, my, nice. one of my defenders, Virgil van Dijk, and from Germany, Neuer. What is this van Dijk fever? Gosh. Best um, in England. Very relaxed. Uh, okay. Oscar Koulibaly. There you go. <laughs> I have to go with Neuer in goal from Germany. Hold on. Screener, screener as a central defender from Italy. Sergio Ramos, uh, central defender, France. For England, uh, KDB as my midfielder. Of course. And for striker, Benzema from Spain. Um, I was going to say, did you guys watch that volley though from Koulibaly? My gosh. What a goal. Oh. oh. 
Here we go, my five aside. I'm gonna go with Oscar's pick for goal, which is Neuer in goal from Germany, from the Bundesliga, Premier League. Kalidu Koulibaly, oh my. Uh, center back. Italy, Fikayo Tomori from AC Milan. That is a. Dio, you're got no, no comments. Um, France, Neymar. And Spain, Karim Benzema. I think mine is the best. Let's move on to. <laughs> let's you know, move you on. Should, you should make a poll for social media and put the let's poll. Do okay, it. you know what? I'll actually do that. I'll actually do that. Okay, that is we're dropping it soon. Um, start, bench, drop to finish off. All right. Cannavaro, Nemanja, Vidic, and Gerard Piquet. So, big fan of Shakira. So, uh, <laughs> so he's dropped. Okay, <laughs> you're out of here. Um, <laughs> you did her dirty, and I don't know why, man. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with as much as I do love my Italian, Italian uh, compadre. Yeah. Um, and he won us the World Cup. It's Vidic uh, as a start, <laughs> and then uh, and then I'll have uh, a Cannavaro. Uh, Ready to come in when I need him. Okay, he's ready. Perfect. Cannavaro is a Ballon d'Or winner, by the way. Aaron. Um, I'm starting Cannavaro, and then I'm benching FIFA legend Vidic. Uh, he can't get the hell out of here because I'm also I think, a I think, fan. Yeah, I think we're all Shakira fans <laughs> here. Oscar, are you also gonna? Are, <laughs> are you also gonna drop uh, Gerard? Nah, you know I'm actually gonna drop. Uh, I'm gonna drop Vidic. Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say Cannavaro, but. I mean, the guy won the World Cup and won a Ballon d'Or. Pique also won a World Cup. Vidic didn't, didn't win a World Cup. So I think people like really... How the hell is going to win a World Cup? Nah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's a good point. I think people... It's like Gio not having a World Cup. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But I think people like underappreciate Pique for his performances and for him for the fact that he stayed in Barcelona when Barcelona has been in trouble in the last couple of years but I think what he has done football-wise in his career and what he has done at Barcelona I would put him uh, second I would start Canavaro bench PK drop uh, BD. I would so I'm gonna about to drop a very hot take here um, I think people over appreciate and overrate JRPK at times. Um, I think that he's a good center back at reading the game, but he, for, for example, he wouldn't have hacked it in the Premier League. He would not have. You know, know, he would not have. I know. I think he wouldn't have. I think no he wouldn't have. Valley. No, I just, he's a different type of center back. He was good at reading the game, but Barcelona rarely got tested and ask questions off in defense um, with Guardiola, with almost any, I mean, almost always in the league when he's been playing, right? Same thing with Spain. As soon as Spain dropped the level and that they started to, they were crap, right? Um, and PK was very much a part of that too, right? So I think I'm gonna like, it, with this these three, I'm gonna have to drop um, PK. I'm gonna bench Cannavaro and I'm gonna go with Vidic. Um, so I think I'm doing the same exact same thing as uh, Gio here, and I'm gonna go with that one. Um, okay, guys, that's it. That is it. I'm sorry. I it's a terrible, you know, terrible note to finish on if I'm agreeing with Gio. But 
Thanks for being here. <laughs> All right. Finally, some sense into you. <laughs> um, whoever's listening, right? Um, I know Aaron. I'm sorry I didn't say it more this time, but follow us on our Twitter at Backroom Footy. All right. Um, Gio, Aaron, Oscar, thanks for being with this one. Guys, we'll see you in the next one. Gracias, amigos. Looking <laughs> see forward. you all. See you, see you guys. Cheers. <laughs>